بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما وسددوا شريفا اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد This is our 11th lesson uh, covering the book of Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim Al-Jawzi Al-Jawab Al-Kafi liman sa'ala an ad-dawa'i shafi also known as ad-da'u wad-dawa' and up until now Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim Al-Jawzi rahimahullah has been covering the harmful effects of different sins. And then in the last session we learned that the worst type of sin is the sin of shirk. And the conclusion of last night's lesson was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this world for a reason. And He wants to establish justice. And the highest level of justice in this world is Tawheed. So on the total opposite end of that, the highest level of oppression, the opposite of justice, is shirk. And this is what we concluded on yesterday. And this is why shirk is so bad and so serious. Now, Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi is bringing our attention to another type of shirk which is very subtle and is referred to as the minor shirk. And it takes quite a lot of time to get rid of this type of shirk and it's more commonly known as riya and ostentation in English, showing off, doing good deeds to please other people. So he goes on to say, وَأَمَّا الشِّرْكِ فِي الْعِبَادَةِ He's saying shirk when it comes to worship. فَهُوَ أَسْهَلْ مِنْ هَذَا الشِّرْكِ So it's more easier to do than going and bowing down to an idol or a statue. That's, that shirk is something which a lot of people will probably not do. Muslims wouldn't go and just, you know, prostrate to an idol. But this is something which is found in everybody. This level of shirk is there. So he's brought the seriousness of shirk first, that how serious shirk is. And then he's trying to say, well, don't think you're free from it. Everyone has this low level of shirk, minor shirk, which a person must work on. He says, amara." It's very subtle. This happens and occurs in those people who believe in La ilaha illallah. And they believe that only Allah gives benefit, Allah gives harm. And they believe only Allah gives and Allah prevents. So this is for those people who claim to believe in Tawheed, who believe that Allah gives benefit, Allah gives harm. Only Allah is worthy of worship. This is people who believe in this. They are the ones. وَأَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا غَيْرُهُ وَلَا رَبٌّ سِوَامٌ وَلَكِنْ لَا يُخْلِصُ لِلَّهِ فِي مُعَامَلَتِهِ وَعْبُودِيَّتِهِ But he brings the important word here of ikhlas. They believe in Allah. They believe only Allah gives benefit and harm. Only Allah is worthy of worship. But they are not doing their actions purely for Allah. That's the word, ikhlas. It's not purely done for Allah. So it is done for Allah as well as others. It's not pure. And then he goes on to describe why do we sometimes do actions? Because sometimes it's done to please ourselves. We're supposed to be done to please Allah. So it's done to please ourselves. Sometimes it's to earn the worldly pleasure. Sometimes it's done to seek position in the hearts of people or position in the world. So what happens now is whoever does an action for Allah, the action would be for Allah. But then what happens is if you have all of these intentions, you like split it the reason up. So you've done a bit for Allah, a bit for your nafs, a bit for shaitan, a bit for the people. So it's all split up now. So it's not khalis anymore. It's not pure anymore. وَهَذَا حَالُ أَكْثَرِ nas. He says this is the condition of the majority of people. The Prophet spoke about this as well. And he said it's very subtle. He says, Ashirku fi hadihil ummah. He said, Shirk in my ummah. He's not talking about idol worship here. 
He says, in my ummah, shirk, shall I explain it to you? The Prophet says, Akhfa min naml. It is more subtle than the footprint or the footsteps of an ant. When an ant walks, do we, like, can we track the footsteps of an ant? Yeah? Does it make footsteps? Yes, it does. Can we see them? No. Can Allah see them? Yes, Allah can see them. With a microscope, you probably would be able to see. So the hadith says that this minor level of shirk, this is how it is. It's more subtle than the footsteps of an ant. So it's something that we need to be very, very, very particular about. And then somebody said, Oh, Prophet of Allah, how do we save ourselves from it? If it's so subtle, and then he taught us a dua. If you read this dua morning and evening, on the day of judgment, Allah will free you from the ostentation and riya. We'll come to that in the end. And the dua is, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika an ushrika bika wa na a'alam wa astaghfiruka lima la a'alam. So this is a dua, but we'll come back to that in the end. What I'm going to do now is we're going to just do a switch from Ibn al-Qayyim to Imam Ghazali just to understand this topic a little bit better for today's session inshallah uh, because it's a very serious topic. Now, before I start on the topic, the first thing that's important is um, the word dazkiya. Dazkiya means purification of the soul and you could give any word to it. You can call it ihsan, you can call it uh, tasawwuf, you can call it dazkiya, you can call it purification of the soul. They all mean exactly the same thing. And the scholars have said, just like salah is fardul ayn, meaning obligatory, tazkiyah, purification of the soul, is fardul ayn on every Muslim. It's something you have to do. It's not something that's optional. So just like it's for us to pray, it's for us to fast, it's for us to give zakat, it's for us to give, uh, do hajj if you can afford it. Purification of the soul is fardul ayn ala kulli Muslim. To do tazkiyah and to do the purification of the soul is a fart on every single Muslim, everybody, regardless. And it's sad because this is something that's not spoken about generally. We talk about salah, we talk about um, fasting, we speak about hajj, but we're not talking about a, the, a very, very important matter, and that is your personal self-rectification. This is fart on every single person. So what is our goal? Our goal is ihsan. We spoke about Ihsan in the last couple of sessions. Ihsan is to reach a stage in our journey to Allah that we worship Allah as if we're seeing Allah constantly. And the lower level of that is to constantly be thinking that Allah is watching me. This is our goal. This is what we're trying to achieve. Well, we should be trying to achieve. Now, on this journey, there's going to be obstacles that come in our way on this journey. So we're over here. We need to get over there to Ihsan. On this journey, there's going to be obstacles. For example, we're going to get obstacles. For example, hasad will come and attack us, jealousy. Now, we can't just get tangled into it. We have to fight it. It's, it's going to be there, but we have to learn about it. We have to study it. What is hasad? How does it show up? How does it affect me? What are the harms of it? And how do I fight it? How do I combat it? How do I get rid of it? So it's a constant battle. And it doesn't happen overnight. You can't just wake up the next day and think, I'm hasad free now. Okay, so similarly, you've got hasad, then you're going to get arrogance, kibar, this will come in. And then you'll get things like ghadab, anger, you'll get things like uh, riya, for example. So these are ostentation showing up. These things will come and stop us in the way to Allah. We have to learn about them. And remember, each of these bad qualities, which are known in the world of tazkiyah uh, as radail, they have an opposite as well, which is known as khasail. So these are the bad, evil qualities. They have an opposite which are known as the good and the noble qualities. So that's how we combat them. By bringing in the noble quality, what, what, when you bring in the light, okay, the darkness goes away straight away. You know, there's no such thing, some people say there's no such thing as darkness. Darkness is absence of light. There's no light, it's going to be dark. That's all it is. So these, these evils, they're darkness. How do you get rid of them? Well, bringing the light, bringing the good quality. So for example, um, you've got arrogance, for what's the opposite of that? Yeah, humility. So the, the more a person practices humility, then that will go away. There's riyah, for example, showing off. The opposite of that is learning how to do things only for the sake of Allah. For example, there's ghadab and being angry. What's the opposite of that? 
having patience at the time of hunger, you get another evil quality which is like sukht, meaning just being frustrated all the time regarding your situation, meaning Allah's destiny and decree regarding you. What's the opposite of that? Acceptance, meaning rada, rada bil qada, being happy and pleased with Allah's decision and fate regarding you. These are noble qualities, so we have to learn what are the evil traits, because we have them inside us, and what are the noble traits which we need to fill these up with. If we don't do this, then these will just remain and they just intensify and become worse. So we're getting, we think we're getting closer to Allah, but in reality, these things become an obstacle. And this is just the way it is. Um, so we have to work on this. Now, Imam Al-Ghazali Rahmatullah says, the word Riyah comes from the word Ru'ya. And Ru'ya means to see or sight. So that's what it simply, the simple meaning of it. Riyah means to see or the sight. Now, why is it so difficult? Why is this one really difficult? Isn't it? This is one of the most difficult things. And the scholars mention it's one of the last things to leave a person. And it might not even totally go away. You can get rid of a lot of other bad habits and bad qualities, uh, spiritual illnesses. But this particular one, it kind of is, a, is one that people struggle with the most. Um, I'm talking about people who try to get rid of it. If someone doesn't try to get rid of it, then it's just there all the time. So why is it so difficult? Is because we've always grew up seeking it. As a young child, again, I spoke about this yesterday. When a child is young, okay, do some coloring. Mom, look at this. Dad, look at this. What do you think of this? Okay, what do you think what I'm wearing? Look at me, I'm jumping now. Okay, I've done a roly-poly. All the time seeking the validation, the appreciation, and the approval of parents. We grow up like this. As a young child, this is what happens. You just want people to accept you, people to appreciate you, people to like you. You know, we've got likes and all that. This is, this is taking us down spiritual immaturity, this social media, and this hype of wanting followers, wanting likes. This is, can you see the, how detrimental this is? This is what we do when we're kids, when we're children, when we're very, very young. This is a natural upbringing of a human being. And you come to a stage and you're supposed to snap out of it. Okay. What they're trying to do is send us back down there so that we can never come out of it. You can never reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Never. You'll never be able to reach Allah. So and this is, this is a shirk. This is a level of shirk. I don't want anyone to go out and say that I've said that social media is shirk. No. Understand it properly. If you understand it, this is very deep and it's very deeply connected. So we grow up seeking validation and approval for our actions. But for a Muslim, there's something we call spiritual maturity. That when you're young, and it's not just for little children, it's for anyone, for example, a person who's a revert. When a person's a revert, okay, they need a lot of approval. MashaAllah, MashaAllah, you came to the masjid today. Very good, MashaAllah. MashaAllah, MashaAllah, you read Qulhu Allah wa Ahad today. MashaAllah, MashaAllah, very good. You kept your first fast today. Now, do me and you need that? We've been doing it for a long time. But we still expect it. Okay, we still want to, you know, okay, I read two Jews of Quran today. Like, uh, we want people to talk, still come and talk. We don't, we don't really need that. And we shouldn't be desiring that. But we still are. So we've not matured spiritually. This is an interesting way to measure our spiritual maturity. How spiritually mature am I? Am I still that three-year-old child? When somebody's uh, growing up, a child's growing up and they kept their first fast, it's a big deal. You make such a big deal out of it. MashaAllah, ma Ahmad, MashaAllah. Seven-year-old Ahmad kept one fast today or half a fast if there's such a thing. Okay, and you, you celebrate, you bring a cake, you just make it really fun. Okay, you're going to make it into a party, make it fun and celebrate it. A person who's new into Islam or for example, someone's been really off the track. Okay, they've been into drugs, they've been into a life of sin and they've come to Islam now, they've repented and they've done tawbah. You make a really big deal out of it. Okay, because they're starting off. But when someone's been in it and doing it for so long, for so many years, year after year, but even then we're still seeking validation, approval, shows that I have not spiritually matured yet. Okay, that's what you do in the beginning when you're a kid. Kids, it's just a system. Somebody was asking me that, look, the hadith says, when a child is seven, you have to teach them how to do salah. When they reach the age of 10 and don't pray, then you need to be strict upon them. Okay, so then somebody said, well, the kids will only pray because of their mom and dad. 
They're not going to pray for the sake of Allah. That's how it works. That's how the world works. That's how the human being works. Even in worldly things as well. When you grow up, that's what you do. You do things. No child does a drawing and a painting. And then mom and dad goes, where is it? Because no, I did it with ikhlas only for the sake of Allah. Put it away. Okay, it doesn't work like that. That every child has this. We all had this. Something else connected to this is the knock-on effect broken families is having on this particular topic and this issue. So, and this is deeply connected. Why you, we're seeing a lot of validation seeking and approval seeking now much more than ever before. Before, what would happen is when a child is growing up, where do you get approval from? Validation from? Appreciation from? From your parents. If a family is broken, okay, if it's a broken family, a child growing up that naturally needs that validation, appreciation and love from the parents, they're not getting it. So they grow up without it. So that's why their whole adult life, whether it comes to world or religion, they're constantly seeking validation, fame from other people. And it also happens, I wouldn't say in a broken family, but in today's very self-obsessed family, where the dad's on the phone, the mom's on the phone, the children come with a painting or with a drawing or with a book, but you don't have time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's nice. It's very nice. And we're still looking at the phone or still watching the movie or still too busy with what we're doing. It's very nice. They're not getting that validation, the appreciation, the love that naturally a child needs from their parent. So what happens is the growing up without being appreciated, acknowledged in the age where they're supposed to get it because they're young. At that time, they don't know between right and wrong. They don't understand you're supposed to do it only for the sake of Allah. That is a child. It's fine. That's how they grow up. So this is having a knock-on effect as well. But when we get older, we kind of don't need it anymore. You, you know, at that time, it's like I don't have to kind of, I shouldn't have to have the need to somehow, you know, let people know that. Um, and, and, and it's very subtle how it works. Sometimes you've not told anybody, but like we kind of, oh, really tired man today. Keep ringing up, keep yawning. Oh, tired man. Until somebody asks that, what, what do you mean, why are you tired? Did you not sleep last night? No, I did, I did, I did sleep. See, what is it then? No, nothing, man, don't worry about it. No, is it something bothering you? Is it? No, I had to wake up at four, innit? Like, why did you wake up at four o'clock? Oh, it's, it's fine, don't worry about it. Because something wrong, some problem. No, 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 I just thought I'll do suhoor, innit? Uh, now you've given it away, that like you've kept a fast. Um, it's an optional fast. So initially, you, you, this is how subtle it can be. And even though nobody knows about it, we feel that somehow we have to let it out for people to recognize that, oh, oh, mashallah, you're keeping a fast. Okay, so this is something we need to be particular about. And like I said, with social media, it's crazy because that's what it's all about. It's constantly about getting other people to like you, to follow you, to validate you, to appreciate you. That's what, and if, if someone doesn't, what happens if you post something and no one likes it? No one shares it. No one follows it. People get so annoyed. They get so frustrated. And it just, it, it kills people. And it just shows the motivating factor of why. So this is what's been created. And what we need to understand is on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that we're going to be questioned about our actions. So the question is not going to be, did you pray or did you not pray? Okay, because we already know we have to pray. Like certain actions, we have to do them. So it's not just about, did you do them, did you not do them? It's also going to be, why did you do them? So you, okay, you pray. Why did you pray? Who did you pray for? So this is something that we need to think about. Um, and why Riya, it's bad because the inside and the outside doesn't match. You know, if you look at Siddiq, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala, Siddiq comes from the word being truthful. What does it actually mean? It means that person whose inner and outer is the same. Inner and outer is truthful. There's no lie there. So if I'm out doing a good deed, inside, if I'm doing it half for Allah, half for somebody else, I'm not truthful. Outside I'm truthful, inside I'm half, half a liar. So this is not sidq, this is not truthfulness. So this is what we need. We need to match the outer and the inner. 
And if we were to sum up Ria in one sentence, if I was to say like, let me just say, tell you what it is in one sentence and let's switch this off and let's go home. Okay, which we're not going to do. Um, but if I was to sum it up in one sentence, a very simple way of understanding it is if the sight of people is more significant than the sight of Allah. That, that's a simple way of putting it. That when you're doing something, if other people seeing you is more significant in your mind than Allah seeing you, then that's clearly a sign of riya. Okay, if it's more, if that has more value, that you get seen by the people, more than that you get seen by Allah. Remember riya, we said it comes from the word sight or to see. So Allah seeing you, or people seeing you. So if people seeing me, that is more significant than Allah seeing me, then that is a sign of Riya. Um, another explanation to understand what this Riya entails, meaning what does it stem from? Um, it's Talabul Manzila fi Qulubin Nas, seeking out a position in people's hearts. So basically, I want to have a position in everyone's hearts or people's heart. I want people to think good of me. So you want a good position. You're seeking out a position in the hearts of people. This is what it is. Talabul manzila fi qulub an-nas. Now, how do people do it? They do it by using righteous actions normally. So this, when you think of it like this, you, you kind of start thinking how bad it is. That I want my name and I want my respect to be in people's hearts. Now to do that, I'll do anything. And if that means doing good deeds, which is supposed to be for Allah, okay, I'll do that as well. Just because I want a position in people's hearts. I want people to like me, people to respect me, people to think good of me. You, you might not even want them to do anything for you. It's just desiring a position in people's hearts. And for that, a person will do absolutely anything and even good deeds. So a person will read Quran or give charity or make dua or do salah or any of these things, not to get reward in the hereafter, just to get a position in people's hearts. And when you look at it from that angle, it sounds really wrong, doesn't it? It sounds bad. You think, oh, that, doesn't, that sounds quite, you know, that's very low to actually... Just because you want your name in people's hearts, we're using a good deed which is supposed to be done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, Imam Ghazali rahmatullah says that five things are normally used to achieve this. There's five things that people normally use to achieve a position in the hearts of mankind. Number one, body. Body. And that could be done in any way. For example, um, bodybuilders, weightlifting, okay? You wear a really tight, tight t-shirt, okay? So people want to impress other people through their body. And it could be in any other way as well. Uh, it could be beauty in the body. It could be uh, you, you've done some heavy lifting. Uh, it could be in any way, shape or form. But that is, there's five things that are used to, de to, de to seek out a position in the hearts of people. Number one, body. Number two, clothing and style, which we're very familiar with. Okay, clothing and style. Number three, speech and actions, which is kind of what we're speaking about. Speech and actions. Number four, Imam Ghazali says, followers. Okay, it's, it's like social media. Followers, how many followers I've got? This is something people use. The Imam Ghazali is speaking about this hundreds of years ago, as if he could see the times of today. Okay, so fo followers, and this is how people seek out a position in the hearts of people. I've got 1 million followers. Okay, I've got 1000 followers. I've got, you know, hundreds of students. I've got hundreds of disciples. I've got loads of friends. I've got this many friends on Facebook. I've got th this many followers. This many people have liked my post. So this is also a way how people seek position in the hearts of people. Talabul manzila fi qulubin nas through followers. And number five is just things, items, objects. Oh, look what I've got. Look what I've got. I've got this. I've got that. Look, no one else has got it. I've got this. So this is, these are the five things Imam Ghazali is really breaking it down and is teaching us exactly how this occurs 
what's the process? He's saying people use these five things normally to achieve a position in the hearts of mankind. And this could be deen or dunya. It could be in deen or in dunya. So you might want to seek position uh, for the sake of, uh, for, through worldly actions, okay? Or you might seek position through uh, religious actions as well. Um, and he's saying that there are three categories of seeking position in people's hearts. Riyah in this context has three categories, three levels. Okay, so we've got a lot of numbers here, try and follow through. So, um, number one is that category which is mubah, meaning okay, it's allowed. Uh, you won't get reward and you won't get sin for it. The second category is permissible, there's jawaz. And the third category is which we call haram. So the first category, which is mubah and okay, that's basically like, how could we, how could we look at that one? What's the example we could give? Like you do something, it could be even a worldly action, and it's fine, like it doesn't really matter. Imam Ghazali actually gives an example of this. He gives an example of a person giving money to a politician. This is the example he gives. A person gives money to a politician. Now, why has he given that money to the politician? And he does, he's done it publicly. Publicly, right, someone's gone and funded a politician. He's saying that's mubah. Did he do it for sadaqah? Did he do it to get reward? No. It, it was a different reason altogether. So that's fine. Like, that, that doesn't really matter. Even if you do it, did it and you wanted people to know that you've gone and supported a particular politician and you've actually funded his cause, well, that's okay. That's fine. Like, you won't get reward, you won't get sin for it. Because you're not, it's, not, it's nothing to do with seeking, he's not seeking any reward out of it uh, in the hereafter. That's the example he gives. The second one is the one that's permissible. The riyah, that's permissible. And we all do this as well. We've all done it. And that is when you're, when you're writing a CV, okay? When you're writing a CV and you go for a job interview and the guy interviewing you and he says, do you have any experiences? And you think, oh no, I'm going to have ikhlas here. I'm not going to tell him. Oh, I did it only for the sake of Allah. No, I don't. And <laughs> nobody will get a job. So there, that is allowed. It's permissible. Yusuf alayhi salam, he, he put himself forward. And he says, this job of being the minister and the treasurer of the whole of Egypt, the finance minister, I can do it. Why? Because he called himself Inni Hafidun Alim. Is that right? Hafidun Alim? Yeah, he sounds right. Okay, Inni Hafid. He called himself uh, knowledgeable and also he called him, uh, I don't want to get it wrong, but he, he basically put himself forward and put out his credentials. That look, I'm fit for this job because I, I've got the knowledge. If you, you know, this being the finance minister, I'm good, I'm good at maths. So that's permissible. If there's a job, okay, and you put yourself forward for it, and you're, it's, it's, you're showing off your skills, but it's for a purpose, and that's what's supposed to be done then. Like, otherwise no one would get a job. Okay, if you're going, uh, I, I'm not really good at maths. You, you're an expert at maths, and you say, no, no, you're having ikhlas there. That's not going to really work. So that's permissible, he says. And then you've got the third level, which is haram. And that's what we're just talking about. That's the whole discussion is on that particular thing where we do a deed which is supposed to be done for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Instead, we're doing it for other people. So this is him explaining to us that five things are used and then there's three levels. Now, now he goes on to say there are four levels of riyah. So we've got lots of numbers here. Four levels of riyah. So when it comes to carrying out a deed, you could fall into one of four categories and let us understand what happens. Number one, the first category is when you've done the good deed, there is no trace of doing it for Allah. No, not at all. So a person is doing the deed, but he's not doing it or she's not doing it for the sake of Allah at all. It's only being done to seek a position in the hearts of people, to please people. So Imam Ghazali says, for this person, for this deed, on the day of judgment, number one, there'll be no reward. No reward at all. There's no reward at all. Number two, you'll get sin. So by praying, a person is not getting any reward, gets sin. 
and not only that, we'll get the anger of Allah as well. So that's level one. If a person does a deed and there's no trace of Allah consciousness in that deed, it's only done for people. Because the question is, what drives you to do it? What drives you to do it? Why did you do it? Um, so what, what should be driving us to do it? The reward. This is why we have reward. And this is why the fada'il and the rewards are very important. That's why the ta'aleem is very important. You know the tablighi brothers do ta'aleem of fada'ilul a'mal or riyadul salihin. This is, it's not something small. This is so, so, so important. You cannot have ikhlas without knowing the rewards. And that's, nobody talks about the rewards anymore. That's the only people that sit down and read from the book and read the ahadith that has the fada'il of a'mal. That's the whole idea behind it. It's again, it's an obligation because without knowing the fada'il, you can't have ikhlas. For example, the hadith says, Man Ramadana iman Whoever fasts in Ramadan with iman, okay, and ihtisab. What does ihtisab mean? Ihtisab means expecting reward from Allah. If I don't know what the reward is for fasting, how am I going? Look, we have to have an intention. Nobody, nobody does anything for free nowadays. The example they used to give back in the days is even one matchstick isn't free. Okay, nothing is free, especially now we know nothing is free. Okay, even the air we breathe isn't free. Nothing is free. You have to pay for everything. So every single, no one does an action without an intention. Everyone does it for some reason. What is the driving force? If I don't know the virtue of an action, I'm going to have an intention, aren't I? If I don't know the reward, I'm going to seek the reward elsewhere. So to know the rewards of good, you know, we're learning the harms of sins. Much more important than that is to know the rewards of good deeds. What's the reward of Salah? What's the reward of Quran? What's the reward of Dhikr? What's the reward of Hajj and Umrah? What's the reward of giving Sadaqah? What's the reward of making Dua? So that when I do the deed, I can think of that reward. And that reward can be my driving force. That is what's pushing me towards doing that. So, he says, what drives you to do it? Is it the reward? Or is it the sight of people? Is it the sight of people? So what, what's pushing me? What's pushing me? So that, that is what, so that's the first level. So level one is no trace of Allah and Allah's pleasure and wanting. The driving force isn't the reward. The driving force is the people. So no reward, person will get sin and also the anger of Allah. Number two, the second level is there is a weak trace of desiring Allah's pleasure or the reward. So it's there, but it's very, very weak. How do we know it's weak? Imam Ghazali says, if you were alone, you wouldn't have done the action. You only did it because there was somebody else there or there were people there or you were in a public place. Had you been alone or nobody else was around or had you been at home, you wouldn't have done it. So when you did it, there was that little few percent where you thought, you know, I'll probably get some reward. But the main driving force was the people that were around you. So Imam Ghazali says, in this scenario, again, there is no reward for the action. And a person will be sinful for this action as well. May Allah protect us. Number three, Imam Ghazali then says, the third level when it comes to riya and actions is both equal. So 50% you're doing it to seek out Allah's reward and His pleasure. 50% a person is doing it to get some kind of validation from people or just to look nice in the sight of people. So again, if we look over here, what's the motivating factor? Okay, the motivating factor again over here, it's a bit of both. So you're doing it for the reward, but then you're doing it for the people as well. In this scenario, what happens? Both of these things cancel each other out. No reward, no sin. So Imam Ghazali says, even in this scenario, okay, if you do it half to please Allah, half to please the people, they both cancel each other out. No reward, no sin. And then you got level four. Level four, 
is you're doing it for the sake of Allah. You're doing it for the sake of Allah. However, the idea that people are there, that kind of does push you. So, okay, no. So, sorry. The level four is like this. What pushes you to do the good deed is the presence of people. So that is a motivating factor. You're doing it because there's people there. However, if they weren't there, or if you were at home, you still would have done it. So what's pushing you and driving you is, so you, you want to do it for Allah as well, but one of the driving factors is the pe presence of people as well. However, the difference between level four and level, level three is if people weren't there, if you were alone, you wouldn't have done it. Okay. It's like, how do we pray when we're at the masjid? How do we pray when we're alone at home? Is, it, is, it, is there a difference? Or is my salah individually the same as when I pray in public? Okay. It's a good way to kind of compare. So he's saying that people did push you to do it. However, if you were alone, you would have done it as well. In this case, Imam Ghazali says you will be rewarded for that deed. Because there is a strong presence of doing it for the sake of Allah in the sense that had people not been there, you still would have done it. So there was an element of wanting to do it. It did push you. The people's presence did push you, but it wasn't like that wasn't the main part of it. Uh, and the distinguishing factor is, would you have carried on that deed if there was no one there? Um, another example of this is like you can see, like you say, imagine somebody has a habit. Somebody has, and I'll give you an example because this can be a little bit confusing. Somebody's got a habit of praying tahajjud every single day. Now, when you pray tahajjud, no one's there. Nobody knows about it. So you're not doing it for anybody else's sake. However, imagine one day you've got guests staying over at your house. Somehow, that night is just easier to wake up than normal. That night, it's easier. You wake up earlier and, like, you know, you're a little bit more energized. Okay, you can tell that that's happened because there's other people there, but you've already got a habit. And even when no one's there, you're going to carry on praying every day. Whether the, so even though that crept in, okay, but still Imam Ghazali rahmatullah is saying that you'll still get rewarded because even when they're not there, you're doing it. Is everyone following, right? Now, sometimes you hide an action. Now, this is the, these, these are the subtleties. You know when he says that this is more subtle than the footprints of the ant. So some of the subtleties of Riyah. So he says that sometimes you hide an action. You've done a good deed and then you've hid it. So you've given some money in charity or you did a whole khatam of the Quran in like really less time. Or for example, you did the hajj. Well, it could be anything. You've done an action. You did not tell anybody. You didn't want anyone to find out and there was no effort from you to let anybody know but people found out afterwards people found out okay now once people found out inside you start getting happy so initially you did it only for Allah then what happens is somehow people find out that oh mashallah did, did you do this oh mashallah guess what I heard you think, how, how did anyone even find out? You didn't go around telling anyone. But somehow you didn't know. Maybe someone was watching and you didn't know. Okay. Now people have found out inside you're feeling happy. Now the duty is we have to fight that feeling. Because initially, if I did it for the sake of Allah. Okay. And this happens. This creeps in. Sometimes you've done something for the sake of Allah. Okay. And then later on, so many years later. Okay. You can spoil it. By if, if I'm sitting here and if I think, let me share a story with you. Do you know like... On my seventh Hajj, um, you know, this incident happened. I already, what's happened, I, I, I've kind of said I've been for Hajj loads of times and I'm at my seventh Hajj. Maybe I did the Hajj for the sake of Allah, that time, I've not been Hajj seven times. Uh, so, like that sometimes is very subtle. You can kind of wipe away the good you did in the past with Ikhlas so many years later by trying to expose it. So you have to be very careful. So he says, if for example, um, it's like the example I gave before of, you know, just keep on saying I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And then 
people find out afterwards that you fasted. Okay, that's kind of putting it out there yourself. Now, the question is, is it okay to be happy if people found out about your good deed? Because it's, it's a feeling that creeps up. You didn't do it. You, your intention wasn't to show the people. That's not why you did it. But Allah exposed your good deed. Only Allah can expose it. You didn't go around exposing it. Allah exposed it and made people aware of it somehow later on. So is it okay to be happy for people to know of a good deed? Imam Ghazali says there's three situations. Three situations. Number one. And these are three situations where it's allowed. So we've spoken about what is not allowed where you just do it because you want people to think good of you. But he's saying there's three situations where it's actually allowed that if you hid your action and Allah exposed it and you felt happy inside, three situations where it's actually allowed. Number one, you wanted to hide the action. You hid it. Allah exposed it. But even you're not happy because you're getting status or people are liking you. You're happy because uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided to... Uh, you, you're not happy. You're, so the driving force here isn't to look good in the people's eyes. The happiness is that the fact that Allah chose. You didn't choose to expose it. Allah exposed it. But you're not getting happy over the fact that people are going to like you. You're getting happy with Allah. Can you see the difference here? Okay. So your happiness inside is... Allah driven, not people driven. And that's what it's all about over here. Sight. Whose sight is more important? So you, you've got a, your sight on Allah that, oh look, Allah chose to do this, not me. But again, you're not kind of thinking, oh, people are going to think better of me now because I did this good deed. Number one. The second situation where it's allowed is you hide the action. Allah makes it apparent. What makes you happy inside isn't that people know. What makes you happy inside is Allah could have exposed my millions of sins and instead of exposing my sins he decided to expose my good deed so you're happy with Allah's beautiful covering that Allah's put this beautiful covering on all of us sitrul jameel we have a sitrul jameel a beautiful covering Allah's put on all of us that Allah generally shows people our good side and he doesn't show people our bad side and there's a there's a narration that if Allah covers your sins in this world Hopefully he'll cover them in the hereafter as well. So that's what makes you happy that oh look Allah showed the people I didn't go and show them but Allah showed them he could have exposed my sins. So what makes you happy is this. So that's situation number two. And number three, the third situation where you're allowed to feel happy upon the exposure of your good deed. You hid your deed. You tried all your best to do it in class. Allah decided to show the people why you're happy is not because people will say mashallah to you. No, you're happy because that exposure encouraged other people to do the good deed as well. And pe more people started doing the good deed. I think, oh, okay. It's, it's not about me again. It's about Allah. Can you see? More people are doing it. Why are they doing it? Not, because of, not for me, because there's more people pleasing Allah. So these are three situations where... Uh, it's okay to be happy for one of your good deeds to be exposed after you tried to hide it. So, purifying the heart is just as important as purifying the body in wudu. You know, without wudu, there's no salah. So we say salah is far. Nobody says wudu is far, but it is, isn't it? Yeah, wudu is far. You can't do salah without wudu. So just like purifying the body with wudu is far, similarly purifying the heart from this is far. Because, because, I mean, you won't get any reward. A person gets sin. How do we do it? How do we go about this? What are we supposed to do? So Imam Ghazali rahmatullah says, um, there's a few things that you need to do. Number one, the first thing that we need to do is learn the harms of riya. What are the harms of Riyah? So one of them, he says, the anger of Allah. If a person has Riyah and we're always doing things to show off, then we're earning, instead of earning Allah's pleasure, we're earning the anger. Nobody wants the anger of Allah. Okay, so that's the first thing. Number two, 
all the good deeds are destroyed. So there's no reward. It becomes invalid. It becomes void. So the reward is totally destroyed. And the third thing to learn in regards to this is, Riyah won't leave a person's heart until you take it out. It's not just going to go. This is not just going to vanish. It's, it was in us when we were born. Okay, and when we grew up as a child, that desire to seek fame and a name and position and recognition and appreciation, validation, it was there. So it's in us already. We have to take it out. We have to work on this. You can't just expect it to go away by itself. Okay, as you get older, you think it's going to go away. Now, how do we take it out? How do we take it out? So he's saying, you have to learn. You have to learn what is the source. Why does it come? Where does it come from? What's the source? What's the reason? What's the cause of it? So he says that the source, the source is love for fame, name and status. That's the source of it. We all love to be known with a good name. Everybody likes fame. Everybody likes status. This is the source of it. The desire for fame, the desire for name, the desire for status. Okay, so this is the uh, source of it. So we have to get to the root of it. If we keep, if you've got a tree and you're just watering the leaves or the fruits, okay, it, that doesn't work. You have to water the roots, okay, uh, of, of a plant. That's how you're going to actually benefit. And if there's a problem, then you have to solve the problem from the roots, okay? You need to kill the roots, okay? And, and then it's going to stop growing. Otherwise, if you just keep cutting the branches off or the leaves off, this is what we, te we tend to do. We try to deal with our situation, but not from the root. We have to nip it in the bud, as I say. So he says, get right to the core of it and get to the root cause. And the root cause is this. What's the source of Riya? The source of Riya is love for name, fame, and status. And he says that becomes apparent in three ways. There's three ways how, pe how people do it. Number one is praise. Everybody loves praise, to be praised. So number one, praise. We thrive off praise. Praise gives us energy. Praise, if someone praises you, we carry on doing it more. If people stop praising you, we stop doing it. Okay? And that becomes a driving force. So there's three ways how people seek and love for fame, name, and position becomes apparent in three ways. Number one, praise. Number two, fear of blame. Fear of blame. And number three, desiring what people have. Desiring what people have. I'm going to explain these. So the first one is praise. Second is fear of blame. And the third is desiring what people have. So let's look at the first one. The first one is praise. This is, this is the most general one. We just want praise. Okay, what is praise? Praise is a few words that somebody says with the tongue. Okay, someone praising you. Um, so, we generally thrive of this and this energizes, energizes us. Um, so that's the example of um, praise, where we do something and we're seeking out people's validation. What do we want from it? Think about it, what do you want? You just want someone to say something good about you. That's it. We want people to say good things about us. We want everybody to say good things about us. Everybody to praise us. I mean, who, who doesn't like getting praised? Let's be honest. Okay? So that's what we want, right? This is, this is me. This is the human being. We have to understand ourselves. Whoever doesn't understand themselves will not understand Allah. So we have to recognize how we work. So this is the first. He says, people do it to get praised. You want everyone to praise you. We're nearly finished, by the way. Um, second one is fear of blame. Fear of blame. How does fear of blame work? Fear of blame is, imagine there's a group of um, wealthy people, okay, a group of wealthy people, and they are sponsoring, for example, an orphan, okay, whatever, it's 150 pounds, sponsoring an orphan. So they're all taking part in this, they've decided. Amongst them, there is a Mr. Bakhil, a Kanjus, okay, stingy person he is full of stinginess he would he wouldn't even give five pounds let alone 150 pounds but fear of blame thinking if i don't give it okay it's gonna look bad 
So he says, oh, 150 pounds from me as well. He didn't want to do it. But why, what pushed him to do it? Fear of blame. Do you understand? Okay, so the first one is general. It's it, it, very common. You just want people to praise you. The second is fear of blame. A lot of times, the motivating factor for doing something is this. Like you don't want to be left out. You don't want to look bad. You don't want to be blamed. Like, oh, how come you? So people go along with it, a tag along. And the third one is desiring what people have. So the reason why somebody does something is to get, for example, you're, you, you're offering a position or someone's friendship or to get an item or to get money or to get status. It could be anything. Things that other people have that I don't have. I want something. So to attain that, I'm going to do a good deed. Okay, to get in your good books, to get closer to you, to get more brownie points in your, you know, in your book to then attain what you have. Now, how do we solve this? What's the solution? So we're going to look at each three and think, how can we combat them? Because we have to learn of how to fight this. So how can we fight the praise? Because that's a common one. The most common one is desiring people to praise you. So Imam Ghazali teaches us is we have to think you cannot be in every person's heart. It's not going to happen. You can't be. If there's a room for, if this masjid is full and I'm sitting here giving a lecture and I want everyone to be really pleased with me, I need to tell myself it's not going to happen. That's not achievable. It's not achievable. There might be 10 people that say, wow, wow, and mashallah, and they might like you. But there might be 50 people that are hating what you're doing and they don't like you. It's impossible to fit into every person's heart. Even the greatest of people who are much greater than us, even they didn't win over every single person's heart. Okay, look at the Prophet What Was there any shortage in what he did? In every aspect, he was perfect. He reached the stage of excellence. But there's a lot of people who just didn't have room in their heart for him. They didn't validate him. They didn't approve of him. Not that there was anything wrong with him. Okay, he was the most perfect. But you cannot be, Imam Ghazali is saying, the solution to this is, you have to keep telling yourself, you can't be, it's impossible to be in every single person's heart. You can't. It's, it's never going to happen. It just doesn't work. Not everyone's going to like you. And you're trying to seek out something that's impossible. Yes, you can please one, and that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the easiest. You'll never be able to please everybody. And that's going to come on to the second one. And... For example, I'll give you an example of this first one, you know, wanting people's praise and how crazy it can be. So this guy, this guy, he's praying in the masjid, okay? And there's nobody else there. No one there at all in the whole masjid. He's alone. So he's praying his salah. And then he goes into ruku. He stands up again. He's about to go into sajda. And when he goes into sajda, he hears the door of the masjid open. So this time in his sajda, he does an extra long, really long sajda. And then he gets up again and then he does another really long sajda. And the second rakat, he makes it really long because he thinks, oh, somebody's walked into the masjid now and, you know, they're going to re be really... So he wants his praise to be in that person's heart. And he wants the position in the heart of the person. And after salah, he finishes and everything. He's like trying to see who it is, who's, who's come. And then when he finishes, so he's pretending like stretch and everything now and he looks back. And he get, he's so disappointed. He says, it's just a dog. <laughs> it was just a dog that pushed its way into the masjid. And the guy thinks, oh no, like, what did I do? But this is how ridiculous it can become sometimes. Now, you might think people are watching, but people don't care. People do not care, right? People do not care, and that's the truth. We try and seek out the pleasure of people. The reality is, like, after they've gone, like, people have got their own lives to get along with. And it, it becomes very self-obsessive. You just think that people are thinking about you 24-7. No, they're not. They've got better things to do. Okay? They might say, and, and you, you can't trust the people. People are very unreliable. Human beings are very unreliable. You cannot rely on anyone. If you can rely on anyone who will never let you down, that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People change. People change like anything. Okay, one day someone will say good about you, tomorrow that same person will be bad-mouthing you. You cannot, we don't control the hearts of people. So it's like we're seeking out something 
that's not really uh, a tangible kind of thing that is it's not guaranteed that you've got it now you've got people's hearts not really so this is number one number two is fear of blame like that stingy person who so the solution to that is if I'm falling into this where I've got because of fear of blame because remember doing something for the sake of other people instead of Allah that's Riyah what we don't speak about is leaving something not doing something for the sake of people is also Riyah are you following so for example I've got a habit every day after Isha I read Surah Mulk, for example. I do this every day. For example, this is my habit. Every day after Isha, I read Surah Mulk. One day I'm, for example, at a friend's place, okay, and we've done Isha, and I think, oh, if I do Surah Mulk today, like people are going to think, oh, this guy's trying to be all extra hardcore Sufi or whatever, right? So I'm not going to do it. Now, an action which you do for the sake of Allah, okay, if you leave it, you should leave it for the sake of Allah. But you left it because of people. Uh, re remember, there should be no influence of people. It should be you and Allah. Over there, look again what's happened. You know when you do something for people? It, between you and Allah, there's people. So here as well, in leaving it, you left it for the sake of other people. So this is also Riya. So how do we overcome this? Imam Ghazali, rahmatullah, this is very simple. You can't please everyone. So I have to tell them, in the first one it was, you can't be in every heart. I cannot be in every single heart. The second one solution is, you cannot please everyone. You go to a wedding, you try your best, you spend thousands of pounds, and you're going to get some people saying the food was very nice. You're going to let off a lot of people saying it was absolutely horrible. But it was nice. But they're saying that. That's, you can't please everyone. And then the story of the man, the boy, and the donkey, everybody knows. I don't need to go about it. But we all know what happens, okay? When they go into a village and the people say, oh, you know, well, uh, let, let's not go into it. But that gives, that gives the gist of this story, gives the idea of, uh, you know, you can't please everyone. It's not possible. And the last one is when you do actions and the desire is desiring what people have what people have and you know you, you you want that whether it's a position whether it's a job whether it's um, an item whether it's money it's wealth whatever it is and Imam Ghazali says that why are you seeking something that even they're not in control of because everything is in the hands of Allah that's an incorrect belief to believe that they control it it's not in their hands in Allah ala kulli shayin qadir he says in Allah's control and Allah's hand is everything and I end by mentioning one hadith where the Prophet ﷺ has said whoever seeks out the pleasure of people at the same time if you anger Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to destroy you and you're not going to get what you want on the contrary if a person seeks out the pleasure of Allah and people end up becoming unhappy with you but you're pleasing Allah, then Allah will be pleased with you. And He'll make the people pleased with you as well. This is interesting, the last part. You know that what we desire, we want people to be pleased with us? Well, He says, this is how you can get it. If you please Allah, and if that means other people are becoming unhappy, so be it, okay? You're not seeking their validation, you're seeking the validation of Allah. Then Allah will become happy with you and He will please the people as well. On the contrary, if we seek out the pleasure of people, and if you anger Allah, Allah will become angry and He'll make people angry with you as well. So it's kind of counterproductive. It's counterproductive. And we see this, don't we? Let's look in on a larger scale. Let's not look in a personal level. On a larger scale, you've got celebrities and you know, they've built up such a massive following. Then overnight something happens and the same people who've been mad about them are hating them. Right? I, I, I think what happened there? It, it, and this is how it is. It's, it's seconds. People's validation is not the validation. So basically, the conclusion of everything is at all times, we need to be mindful of Allah's sight more than the sight of people. And this is how we measure. This is how we're going to measure our spiritual maturity. Am I more focused and conscious 
And is the sight of people more significant to me than the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? First of all, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives me the tawfiq and may Allah give us all the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Inshallah, we'll continue the next session after Salatul Asr.